This is Beekeeper Confidential, a show about the curious lives of bees and their beekeepers. I'm your host, Mandy Shaw. On today's show, we visit with a biologist who is an applied researcher of honeybee husbandry at the University of Florida's Honeybee Research and Extension Lab. His work is dedicated to solving problems that large commercial beekeeping operations are faced with. He spends time in the field and in the lab trying to make things better for beekeepers and their bees. But his passion for biology and photography, coupled with his desire to teach and share his knowledge with others, has led him to create a very high-quality video series that features honeybee biology, diagnostics, the science behind the discoveries, and issues that are relevant to keeping bees in today's environment. He has a true worker bee mentality, working selflessly for the greater good of the beekeeping industry. Meet Dr. Humberto Boncristiani of InsideTheHive.tv. This is Mandy. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm good. I really appreciate you taking the time to visit with me today. Uh, My pleasure. Anything (laughs) to help you and your cause and the bees and everybody that enjoy bees, I'm in. Thank you. Yeah, it's so great to meet like-minded people who want to do work to help beekeepers and spread information about honeybee biology. And that was one of the first things that excited me when I came across your channel. I think it was about a year ago I saw your video about small hive beetles. I'm glad that you enjoyed them. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm that's why I'm doing them. I think it's fun and people can can learn something from them. Yeah, absolutely. And also the quality of your videos is really good. So in addition to having a background in science, do you also have a background in the arts? Um, I'm a professional photographer as well from, from Maryland. I, I have a business there before I moved to Florida and I did a little bit of videography too. So I did weddings, I did portraits. Yeah, I'm, I'm engaged with photography for a long time. Is it wonderful to be at a place where the intersection between honeybees and your photography come together? I, uh, I think I had to put this together, you know. When, <laughs> Sometimes the energies come together and you need to do something and just something just born from nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way Inside the TV started. And what do you think it was that put everything into alignment to make that happen? Uh, I have always struggling with this, with the research part of the beekeeping. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you do research and you work with that, you do not enjoy the beekeeping like as a beekeeper itself the way I was before mm-hmm. and also I have this artistic side that I like to do, uh, pursue all my whole life but they never got together with the work that I was doing it was always something in parallel and then uh, the story is long do we have time we, we have time tell, tell me whatever you want to tell me <laughs> 
the way the way inside the heart that TV was born was was quite quite interesting. And there was a lot of things that happened that just come up to to this whatever it is right now. I'm not sure where I'm going with inside the heart that TV, but I know I think we're gonna get something big from that. I have big plans now. But everything started when I, in 2016. I I'm I'm a, I'm from Brazil. I'm Brazilian, and I have a some a, some uh, a teacher of mine, some a, a very special person in my life that passed away in 2016. And this person, uh, he's very shy. I don't think he would like me to say his name. <laughs> okay. So I, I will respect that. Okay. Uh, he always introduced me to books and and to give him a lot of a lot of my background, educational background. And I really appreciate the effort of this kind of people that just give to other people with no asking anything, not asking anything in return. And then he passed away in 2016, and I was feeling like I should do something to continue the legacy, you know, just to teach somebody and just to to continue the work that he was doing. And then I was coming with that idea, and the bees, and the bees are dying, my photography and videographer background. Why do why not try to do this internet thing and see if I can reach more people, even more people to see if I can uh teach people around and show different things and people can beneficiate for my for my work. And that's that's the beginning of Inside the Hive that TV. I'm having fun now. <laughs> well it definitely shows and it looks like you are reaching a global audience already. I was looking at some of the comments that people were leaving on YouTube and I could see that not everybody is from here in the United States. That's something that's so exciting about the technology that we have is we really can reach people on a global level. It is. It is very powerful and I'm learning every day a little bit more and every time I learn something new I got kind of scared. Like <laughs> like how how powerful things can be and the amount of reach that we have now. I have a I have some people in Africa that send me a comment on Facebook a while ago that they were very happy they could like they could improve the way they they were doing the beekeeping with some information they got from my videos that I never would think somebody would get that information from that video. I don't even remember what it was, but you know, it just makes you feel good about it. Somebody just improved their life with something really simple that I did here. Yeah. And why not continue doing that. What are the things that people most want to hear about when you're traveling and talking to groups about honeybees? Uh, normally, I, I fulfill requests, requests from bee clubs. So mm -hmm. uh, they ask me to give a talk and I ask them what you guys need to hear about. It. And I try to accommodate to, to their needs. But recently, most of what I'm talking about is honeybee viruses and small hive beetles and, and commercial beekeeping uh, practices, because that's what I do at the University of Florida. My my research program is dedicated to to solve problems, dedicated for commercial beekeepers, uh, the big commercial operations, like thousands of hives. Mm -hmm. I heard recently that the large commercial operations no longer survive on honey sales because honey production is becoming less and less over time and that they they survive on pollination. Is that true? 
wouldn't I wouldn't say they do not survive honey, but what I can tell you that the money, the big money in beekeeping today is in pollination, uh, especially in the United States. It's, the big money is in pollination and, and commercial operations are more towards uh, economics than anything else, so they normally have a ten tendency to go that direction. I recently watched your video about washboarding behavior, and at the end of it, you talked about how maybe we need to look more at how wild colonies survive and try and learn new things about how we can better keep bees in our backyards. Do you think that that can be applied to commercial settings as well? Are there hive modifications that can be made? That's part of my goal. uh, to help commercial beekeepers to uh, to treat their bees a little better. Uh, I have a feeling that a good part of the commercial beekeepers that I work with do not care about the bees too much. It's more about the economics, and I, I don't I don't enjoy the, the movement too much. And I believe that there are changes that can be done, and they're going to feel the benefit of those chains, and I think it's part of my work to educate them as well, you know, to take better care of their bees, so the bees consequently is going to be healthier and produce more for them. What do you think are some of the things that they can do, or even backyard beekeepers can do to take better care of their bees? Mm, I think people need to focus on management. Uh, today, before beekeeping or were very easy when you have all the resources. Uh, the world is changing. I like to say this a lot in my channel, which is true. Uh, the world is changing. The vegetation, the time of uh, blooming, there is a lot of things going on in the world that we don't really understand very well. Right now we have indications from scientific articles that there is some something going on. And when big changes like that happen, uh, the bees of course, they sense they they lose their timing and they 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 need to readapt to these new conditions. So that takes time. Uh, but we as beekeepers, uh, with uh, knowledge, we can help them. And I think management is big part of that. I know a lot of commercial beekeepers that are really really good in management and they have very good looking bees, healthy, very healthy bees. And it's just because they're really good in management. They there is no way around. Like I'm gonna do this tomorrow. No, there is no tomorrow with honeybees today. You need to do it today. You need to do it today. People need to understand the biology of bees and the biology of the pathogens uh, and the pests that bees carry. So they they need to know the timing, the symptoms. They need to be uh, with their eye open for this. Details, because details in beekeeping today really matters. Forty years ago was different. We just were able to put hives in any place, and the hive was able to get what they need almost everywhere. So people never really have to learn about deeply about bee biology. But today, if you want to to survive in beekeeping, you you have you have to have a better understanding about bee biology. And you come from a beekeeping background. I'm a second generation beekeeper in my family in Brazil. We have a small operation with uh, my father to produce honey. And I help them 
for many years, and that's the way everything started. Uh, but I, I never was very enthusiastic with bees when I was younger. But when you when you grow up around the African bees as a kid, you always <laughs> got stung a lot, and you don't like it, of course. So I I never enjoy it very much. I tried to get rid of the bees in my life for so many years. <laughs> never, I couldn't. I went to the I went to college and I decided, okay, no more bees. I'm gonna study. Uh, spiders, venoms of spiders. Oh wow! Apparently, the only yeah, then the only job they have there that could uh, you know for undergrad that have some pay payments involved, uh, some kind of paycheck was with bees, and I was just oh my god, here we go again. <laughs> and then I did the job, and then I said okay, no more, no more bees. I I move from the town and go to do my masters and my PhD with virology, human. Human biology. I was doing vaccines oh, for children, wow. uh, and I was very happy with that. Then, 2005, six, uh, CCD and the collapse of the bees start to happen in the United States, and all this buzz about the decline. And, and then the USDA here in the United States were looking for a virologist that have background in beekeeping with bees, and uh, apparently I was the only guy on the planet that. That time, <laughs> that have that background. <laughs> and then I looked to the sky and said, "Okay, I give up. I'm a big guy. Okay, I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life." Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great story. Yeah, it is. It is funny when I look back. It's just kind of wow. Yeah, I think I'm supposed to be doing this. So, I mean, here you probably aren't working with Africanized bees too often. I don't know that you have them in Florida, do you? Uh, yes, we do. Yeah. Especially in South Florida. Okay. Uh, they're already here. And uh, it's is, is illegal to, to keep them uh, by the state law, but it's hard. Uh, Africanized bees are very, very powerful. And. The main reason that we cannot control them too much is not even the biologists that uh, some beekeepers start to enjoy them because <laughs> of the strengths they have uh-huh. uh, regarding resistance to pests. And yeah, they're more aggressive, but they have some beneficial uh, on them too. So that's the hard part. So what we have here in Florida, especially in the South Florida, a lot of them. Do you think that they may hold one of the keys to solving the problem with the health of the honeybees that we have now? Uh, I think what can help us is management. I know a lot of beekeepers are really good commercial with big operations that are able in locations to to keep very good looking bees. Uh, and neighbors of them that keep the bees in the same area. They are very complaining about everything. The bees are dying, but when you look the heat map and look at the map and see the location where they are, you, you clearly can see that it's a management issue. It's not anything weird or strange that's happening. It's just the guy didn't get the right timing to do the things, or decide to feed with something new that he never tested before. That was something else so, interesting that I that you made a video about was the beekeeper that was feeding some secret formula that they wouldn't share with you, and then you tested yeah. that. Yeah, beekeepers are uh, 
they like to test everything, which is okay. <laughs> I I don't have problems with that. But just be careful if you want to do experiment. Don't do the experiment in your whole operation. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. then that's exactly what happened. The guy called me with 60% losses. I said, oh, my God, what's going on? So I, I drove there, spent the day with the beekeeper. We look everything. I look everywhere. We couldn't find too much, nothing that really triggered my attention about um, the way he was doing his beekeeping. He was a good beekeeper. But apparently, there was something that I noticed when he pointed out, oh, did you see here this hive? Everything is dead. Then I look down and look with more detail and I said, you're absolutely right, sir. Everything is dead here, including the bees, small high beetle larvae, the ants, <gasps> the plants. Whoa. Everything is dead. Oh, my gosh. So I don't, then uh, the first idea that comes to my mind, whatever, the feeding, something in the feeding might, might be problematic here. So I got a sample of the feeding, bring to the lab and perform a, a viability experiment to feed the bees with them and have a control bees feeding only with the sugar water. The bees were dying 50% faster than they're consuming whatever he was giving to the bees. Wow. So he was very happy with that, that I, I practically <laughs> saved, <laughs> saved his operation. Because oh he goodness. will continue. The funny part was that the bees were enjoying whatever he was doing. The bees were taking. Wow. And that was scary to me because he didn't want to mention everything he put in. And normally I normally I have a rule that I do not believe 100% the beekeepers. <laughs> because they... Uh, it's true. We, I think we can we can say this here. The beekeepers and, and fisher fishermen have some traits in common. <laughs> and yeah, I think I can't rely completely on the the things they say. Sometimes they want to hide, or they want to exaggerate the amount of operation or whatever they put in. It's okay. So, but in this case, I was able to find a problem, but I still don't know what the formulation is. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. He gave me some of the ingredients, but because I don't know the whole story, I don't know how they were stored, you know, and stock. I don't know what he did. I prefer to not mention the brand so I can protect the brand. Because I know the brand in other parts. I never heard anything problematic with the brand. But that's that's my life. That's what I do every day. I visit beekeepers around the country. What's what's the craziest thing you've seen? Well, this is one of those. This kind of thing makes me really sad when I see this. That is the beekeeper's fault, uh, you know, and and he doesn't know. That makes me sad because they can't they can't help himself because he thinks he's doing everything right and keep doing whatever he was doing and keep killing the bees. Uh, something that, what intrigues me sometimes is. Why people believe things that you can clearly see that's not true? That's that's really fascinating me. When I go to beekeepers and talk to them, they said, "No, my I don't have mites, sir. You have mites. Look at this. You have three hundred mites here. No, I don't have mites." I, and then I just lost it. I don't understand. So, sir, look, it's here. You can see it. it not, no, I don't have mites. Then, then I don't know what to say anymore. You know, just lost the rationality behind the whole communication, and that's that's very intriguing to me. 
What do you think it is? Do you think that people are afraid to admit? I mean, I... I don't know. There is this two uh, sides of the keeping now. They're kind of... uh, I'm not going to say confronting each other, but... You know, the organic beekeepers, the people that treatment tree uh, versus the people that treat and or commercial guys, that kind of thing. Uh, I'm right in the middle of this because I believe beekeeping is all about balance. Uh, I know beekeepers, commercial guys, they have thousands and thousands of hives and they can't take care of the bees very well if they know what they're doing and have strict protocols and good management. The bees are really good, uh, but and I know the other side too. They, there are guys that do not treat, and depending on where they are and the conditions, they are able to keep good-looking bees without treatment as well. But it's very location dependent. So and when you try to change that and move whatever protocol he is doing to another location, just become a mess, and then bees die, and people create a lot of stories, and then more names and artificial syndrome in here and people start to freak out. Mm. It's, uh, it's fascinating thing is about the stories. Everybody likes to come up with a different story. <laughs> like, you know, in the state of Florida, now they have the crud. Have you ever heard about the crud? The crud? No. Yeah. The crud is a, apparently is a bacterial infection that affects the brood. Okay. And and everybody have a different opinion about it. They talk a lot about it. And I visited several beekeepers when they're complaining about it. And I take a look and take a picture and see what that is. But everybody that I stop by is a different bee and a different symptom and the same name. So I, at the end of the day, I don't know what the crud is. Because this beekeeper number one say this. The beekeeper number two show me something else. And the beekeeper number three shows something different, completely different from the previous two guys. So I still, I, I see problems. I see things that look like a, a different version of uh, European pauper. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some studies that pointing out that it's a different strain mm-hmm. of European pauper. I'm glad that you brought that up because EFB was actually on my list of topics to discuss with you today. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I know where I live in the Willamette Valley in the Pacific Northwest, this year there were far more reports to our state bee lab about EFB. And I kind of wonder if maybe it's more prevalent than we know, and maybe it sort of hides under the radar because the symptoms, from what I understand, they can vary. But what you're describing yeah. sounds a little bit more complicated i believe we have i believe we have a new strain of efb circulating and people start to study and take a better look at that the symptoms are very consistent to me mm-hmm. i don't know about other states but here still is here in florida which is a very important state states all one quarter of the bees in the united states stop by in florida so we have a lot of bees going on wow. a lot of bees, bees stuff going on in florida <laughs> I, I see a lot of things, and I, that's my visual impression. I don't have data and, you know, numbers, and I study conducted, but I start to see more European pauper symptoms like in, in hives that I didn't before. If 
to this is a new thing, maybe. From what I understand, one of the triggers for it is poor nutrition. Is that correct? Absolutely. So yes. do you think that maybe we're seeing more of it because poor nutrition is just becoming the norm? Mm, poor nutrition become the norm is very related with the beekeeper. Now, there is one rule in beekeeping that people forget is location, location, <sighs> location. <laughs> Yeah, when you try to keep bees in a desert, you have, you're gonna have more problems, that's mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. So that's a problem for not commercial, I would say. You know, people, backyard beekeepers that do not move their hives. Yes. So it is what it is. It is what it is. And it's the kind of path that you have that do not tell you what's going on about their nutrition. You don't know what they're eating too much. You don't know what if they have enough. Sometimes they have. You think they have enough. They have a lot of pollen coming in and nectar, but that's not good quality thing. And you believe they're okay because visually you see quantity, but quantity doesn't mean quality in that specific matter. And might be missing a lot of important nutrients in that specific uh, nectar and, and pollen source they're getting at that time. And they just start to slow down and nobody understand why. Do you think that every beekeeper, including backyard beekeepers, should keep certain test kits in their supplies? Um, if they have the money for I would say yeah. yes. Yeah, well, so in a perfect world, and beekeeping wasn't one of the most expensive hobbies on the planet, <laughs> um, what, mm -hmm. what would be the essential test kits to have in your toolbox? Um, I think it's knowledge, the first one, you know, you need to identify uh, American fall brood, for example, you have to, this is very important, it's a very uh, dangerous disease that spread and can destroy the bees in a, in a county, in a whole state, very fast. So we need to have the knowledge to identify the disease, and I think most of them today is about have the knowledge for. The ones that you cannot see, like even European folklore, you're able to see mm -hmm. uh, signs. Uh, for viruses, I don't know. Normally, this is a discussion I have with everybody. Okay, you know, have a virus here. What are you going to do about it? There is not much to do about it. Other than maybe isolate that colony or to feed them better, see if the immune system can go up with the better nutrition. Mm -hmm. But it's always a uh, question mark on that. Uh, something that I'm very involved now, I don't know if you heard about uh, an app called Health Be Guru or something like that. Yes, I have heard about that. Yeah, we are, I'm part of the team that are testing and helping the, the developers because if something that like that app become available and is reliable, I think it's a game changer for everybody. It's very simple. You put your phone inside that the entrance of the hive and they're going to record the sound mm -hmm. inside and can predict different things uh, like diseases, uh, queen right or king wrong. Uh, they have all kinds of measurements they, they believe they're able to do, uh, which is very interesting. If you're, if you're able to make it reliable, you know, that yeah. would be great. It just yeah. You don't need to open your hives anymore. You just put the app, record the sound, and you have a report about the conditions of your hive. That would be amazing. So I'm working hard with them, trying to feed the algorithm with good information. So Yeah, I'm so curious so, about the development of that and how many circumstances you had to record with to get 
what yeah there's so many variables the, yeah. the different phones the different <laughs> the different environments if the, the bees are in the city they have background noises that probably interfere uh yeah there is a lot of going on and they're working really hard there is artificial intelligence involved big it's a, it's a beautiful setup it's very serious people and they they believe they have something and i'm i'm trying to help them out that is very exciting. Um, and it's not yes, it it's, it's not available yet. Do they have a time frame when they think it'll be available? I think what happened is they they have the fundraising now and just okay. finished the fundraise. Okay. And there is a lot a lot of backers there that provide give them money, so they receive the app and help. It's gonna help. We are helping to tune the app. Uh, people are feeding the algorithm with a lot of information. So the algorithm can learn mm. from different phones, different locations, different uh, information. And I think it's going to take a little while, but. So cool. Uh, I think we're going to have a presentation in Apimondia. Are you going to be in Apimondia? I'm in not. You're the third podcast guest to ask me that. No, this year I hadn't planned on it at all, but now, like, I, I have so many friends that are going to be there and I, I wish that I could go. Hey. <laughs> Have you ever been up in Monja before? No, I don't really travel very much. <laughs> I oh, have I have two little kids, and I have the dog and the chickens, and yeah. all kinds of stuff going on here. But I think if I planned ahead really well, I could make it. Yeah, it's up in Monja every two years, so you have two years to plan. Okay, <laughs> you have to remind me. I'm going to have people like really light a fire under me to get me to do it. I, I think the next one is going to be in Russia. Oh my gosh, what? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. The previous one was in Turkey and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Well, it sounds amazing. Do you know Dr. Sammy Ramsey? Yes. You probably saw it. We have two videos together. Oh no, I totally missed that. Yeah, I have two videos with him. Yeah, talking about the fat bodies and his publication. Trochlear labs are uh, very scary. Very scary trochlear labs. I'm participating in the USDA, their APHIS survey. Um, our state mm-hmm. B lab came out, and they're they're the ones pulling all the samples. They said that they, that was one of the things that they were looking for was the trochlear labs might. Yeah, we don't want that one. Pretty scary stuff. Yeah, I I like to look at the hive debris that I find on the bottom board of the hives. I like to look at it mm-hmm. under my microscope. And recently, I found something that looked a lot like a tropolalapse mite. It was really, really tiny. It was like a little bit less than half the size of a varroa. And so I caught Uh-oh. it somehow, and I put it in a jar and I brought it down to the state lab and they looked at it and they compared it to they had a triple a sample and they put them side by side and the one that I brought in the legs weren't long enough so they don't think mm-hmm. that it was triple a but Dr. Ramesh Sigili was saying there are so many organisms in a beehive yeah that's true it's crazy well if people want to know more about I think that's but that's a part of the story how Inside the Hive TV also uh, starts because I, I remember I was coming back from Thailand and I was very impressed with Tropilite Lab. And I made a couple of videos there. I said, I need to show this to the people. How am I going to show this to people? So I, that was my first video in Inside the Hive.tv about Tropilite Labs. And I 
there is a video, a good comparison, very simple, basic ways to identify and compare with Moreover. Okay, my first video. I'm doing this for people, so I, I receive requests all the time. People ask me, I do it. That's, that's the way it works. That is so cool. Are you funding Inside the Hive TV out of your own pocket? Yes. Wow. I need to find a way to change that because I start to get a little <laughs> too much. It's a lot, yeah. I'm working on maybe in a Patreon page right now, Good. but I don't know exactly how I'm going to do that because I have a lot of extra videos that I think I can show on Patreon, like for, for people that help me to support the channel and I can show a lot of behind the scenes things and yeah. I think that could be interesting too. It's all yeah, really exciting. Amazing. <laughs> it is very exciting. I, I start to meet so much, so many people and everybody yes. talks to me. Yeah. And the videos is very consuming, time consuming to do and mm -hmm. the equipment involved, I have very, very good equipment. I don't, I spend money in good equipment. I sometimes mm -hmm. break the equipment I need to replace. Oh, no. I, I might, I, I, I need a Patreon. I think I need to do that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It to get really expensive. Well, for all your listening, thank you for support. If you can support me too, subscribe to the channel and hit the notification bell so you can receive notifications when you have po post new videos. And whatever you need, I'm here to help you guys. I'm working on a kind of beekeeping on 101 series so I can provide a video to teach people about beekeeping. Oh, that's uh, very so challenging great. because beekeeping is very uh, something that you do in South America, you don't do in North America because it might not be the same and might ever actually hurt the bees. So I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to be responsible in the internet because I'm going to reach a lot of different people in different environments. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to pull this off, but I think I'm going to come up with something. I saw a lot of, of videos and channels out there with big followers, and I see some videos that I thought, oh my God, I hope these people in South America is not doing this because oh, it could be right. completely, that could be a different story. Uh, and that's my challenge right now, to provide information that everybody can benefit you from. Yeah, well, I have total faith in your project, and I know you'll come up with something amazing. All right, thank you for the support. <laughs> All right, cool. I hope to see you. I hope to see you around in any bee meeting. And, oh, that would uh, be amazing. I might be coming to Florida in March. All right. Uh, so Good. we'll so see. Stop by the lab and we, we give you a tour in the new lab. Oh, my gosh. Lab. That would be so cool. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank All you right. so much and have a wonderful evening. Thank you. You too. All bye right. Bye. bye. To connect with Dr. Bon Cristiani, subscribe to his Inside the Hive YouTube channel, and you can also find him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you've been enjoying the show, I would love it if you left us a review on iTunes and shared or liked Beekeeper Confidential on social media. And remember that Beekeeper Confidential has a new website that includes a community forum where listeners can connect, and share stories and comment on episodes. Until next time, may the buzz be with you.
Beekeeper Confidential is a Waggle Works production and is written and produced by Mandy Shaw.